What up, son? It's the tale of the tapes. The fuck life. I'm saying. Alright, this is episode seven. These have been uh these have been flying by. It's been a little bit a little bit hard to keep up with. I do feel like for whatever reason this past week went slow. I feel like the first six went like crazy, crazy fast, and then it took a bit to get to seven. Um It hasn't been a shitty Monday for me today. Yay! So I appreciate that. I'm actually in a pretty good mood. Today we got MC Hammer and Dougie Fresh. MC Hammer and Dougie Fresh are both from 1986. Um, I don't, I don't think that today's episode will be particularly too long. The artists that we have on here, while they're actually pretty big names, I'm I'm sure that most people that would hear you say either of those names would probably at least know the name. Um, a lot of other things are, are kind of just not there with these guys, so I don't I don't expect today to be a particularly long episode, but uh, we'll get in what we can. I hear, uh, going back real quick to last week's episode, I hear that Fury and Wilder agreed to a rematch. I, I, I think somebody told me it was in July. Shoutouts to Bocce. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I, think, I think Wilder's fucking up here. Uh... There's just so many fucking excuses going on and he, you know, he fired Breland and I just, I just think this man's ego is just so through the fucking roof that he just can't accept that he got fucked up. Now, I could obviously be wrong. You know, there could be a lot of factors or circumstances going into that fight that I don't know about, but I just feel like the guy's feel like the guy's pride is shattered and he just can't fucking accept it. I just, I, I don't really see what the problem is either. Wilder's been one of the few guys that in recent years that I would say really was pretty much just willing to fight whoever. I know the fight with Joshua never went through, but it'll it'll happen one day. And other than that, I mean, he fought, he fought Ortiz twice. He fought Fury twice. So, you know, I really had nothing but good things to say about Wilder, but, you know, people... People show their fucking true colors when they lose, man. And I just, I don't, I don't see what the, what the problem is with losing a fight. You know, you dropped the guy twice in the first fight. You got beat up in the second fight. I really think he was taken back a lot and caught off guard by the fact that Fury just came out and fucked him up. I don't think he took Fury seriously when Fury said that. So I would like to see him handle it a little bit better. Say, hey, listen, I won't, even if there was things that bothered you, bro, just get right on it. Just say, hey, look, I want the third fight right away. I'm going to be better the next time. And that's it. Stop making the fucking excuses. So, anyway, that out of the way, I'm excited to see the third fight. I think the third fight goes probably similar to the second fight. I'm not sure Wilder gets that caught off guard and pummeled as easily as he did in the first one. And with that right hand, he forever has a chance to beat anybody at any instant. But I just see more of the same. I think he'll get beat up. I think it'll probably last longer this time. But I think he'll just get beat up again. He'll get a little bit outboxed. A little bit beat up. We'll see what happens. But I'm excited for that. So let's get into MC Hammer and Dougie Fresh. Who are on this week. And uh, we're going to start off with MC Hammer. He came out first. He was born March 30th, 1963. He's currently 56 years old. He's from Oakland, California. United States. 
Genres are listed as hip-hop, gospel, and dance. Uh, some people might not even really know that MC Hammer got into gospel like that. I mean, most people that you talk to, you know, they know they know MC Hammer for Can't Touch This or maybe even Too Legit to Quit, but most people don't really know about Hammer's entire career, which I, admittedly I didn't until I did this study. Uh, his years active are listed as 1985 to present. Getting into a little bit more about MC Hammer's career and personal life, some background. Stanley Kirk Burrell, born March 30th, 1963, better known by his stage name MC Hammer or simply Hammer, is an American rapper, dancer, record producer, and entrepreneur. He had his greatest commercial success and popularity from the late 1980s into the early 1990s. A multi-award winner, MC Hammer is considered a forefather-slash-pioneer and innovator of pop rap, incorporating elements of freestyle music, and is the first hip-hop artist to achieve diamond status for an album. That's fucking big. The album Please Hammer Don't Hurt Him increased the popularity of hip-hop music as it ranked number one for 21 weeks on the U.S. Billboard 200 due primarily to the success of the hit single You Can't Touch This. Likewise, the album saw longevity on the top R&B hip-hop albums chart peaking at number one and staying at the top for 28 weeks. To date, the album has sold as many as 18 million copies worldwide as of May 15, 2001, and it remains the genre's all-time best-selling album. Now, I just want to chime in here and say that these numbers are from 2001, so you got a couple of things going on here. First of all, I'm sure the album has sold more copies again in the past 19 years, so it's probably sold more than 18 million copies. And as far as it remaining the genre's all-time best-selling album, I looked up on that a lot, and I'm not 100% sure that that still stands correct. I found a couple of different lists, which to me is crazy because it's based on numbers. So I don't know why I'm finding different orders, but I can tell you that MC Hammer, Please Hammer, Don't Hurt Him is pretty much in the top five best-selling hip-hop albums of all time on any list that I can find. So, again, the first one to achieve diamond status, that's huge. Um, and then all the other accolades that go along with it. BET ranked Hammer as the number seven best dancer of all time. And Vibes, the best rapper ever tournament, declared him the 17th favorite of all time during the first round. Now, I don't know exactly what that means. I don't, I don't, I'm not too familiar with that tournament. Um... And he was declared 17th of all time. I, you know, I don't know how many people were involved in that. I just know that that's something that was listed for him, and that's a fact about him. But I, I don't really know how much weight it holds. Uh, I mean, you know, being considered one of the best dancers of all time is dope. It doesn't really necessarily have anything to do with him as a rapper. It, of course, has to do with hip hop, as we know that. You know, breakdancing and all that type of stuff is is one of the, the elements and is a big factor in hip-hop. Um, but him being named the number seven best dancer of all time obviously doesn't really affect his score as a rapper. But a lot of people probably think of Hammer as a one-hit wonder, which in a certain sense he he kind of was. He, he wasn't technically a one-hit wonder. He did have Too Legit to Quit. He did have a couple of other songs that, that did well. 
none that really did better than you can't touch this but you you can't really technically call him a one-hit wonder but I, I i do get where people are coming from when they kind of think that and i'm not gonna lie i kind of had that vibe going into hammer like i just kind of thought he had the you know the one or two songs like that and didn't really have much else which is true to an extent um but the album itself you know the first album to go diamond and one of the best-selling hip-hop albums of all time so you can't really discredit that hammer did have some sort of a decent impact in hip-hop overall obviously the one album is not going to carry him to a point where you know just having the one album gave him this tremendous impact on hip-hop you also have to look at the things that he did that you know really were were technically bad and weak and that also has to be factored into his contribution to hip-hop but it probably is a little more than meets the eye with hammer that he he did do you know a little bit for hip-hop to where it's it's got to be acknowledged um all that being said Let's get into a song by Hammer. Let's go to his list. We're going to hit random and we got... Okay, so this is MC Hammer, the Funky Headhunter. And this is from the album of the same name, the Funky Headhunter. Yo, Ham, what's up, man? What's up, B-Down? Ain't nothing, man. What you think about all the fellas out there talking all that talk about you, man? Oh, you talking about them rap fools. Oh, you know how they do it, man. They talk pro-black, but they'll stab you straight in your back. But you know, traitors got to go. I can't even fade them. Yeah, so what you gonna do, man? I ought to bust them in the back of their head. Really quick, I just want to say, we, we've probably touched on this before. The hook comes first in this song, and it's it's a two-bar hook, and it's just repeated four times. So, it says, bust them in the back of their head for those lies that I know that they said. There's nothing wrong with that line. There's nothing great about it. One rhyme, one syllable. Um, again, it, it's just basic, but... Again, it's not something that he would... He's definitely not going to lose credit for it right now. We're just going to a list and hitting random. It happens to be that in this hook, he's just saying two bars repeated four times. Uh, we're we're going to get into his notes in a little bit, obviously. I don't particularly remember Hammer doing this all the time, but I do know of a lot of artists like Master P and certain other people where they literally don't seem to have the ability to do anything else um they just and 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 with a lot of people uh e40 is is another type of guy that does it a lot maybe maybe you see it a little more with like down south or different regions or whatever but you would never lose points for this again because i don't want people to lose points for being different or being artistic or just not following like a certain you know standard or criteria because that's not what i'm doing here but if you show that you really can't do anything else, it, it shows that you lack versatility. It shows that you lack creativity. It shows that you lack ideas. It, you know, it just, it shows a lot of things. It shows that maybe you actually lack the the skill level to come up with a with a really good or a complex or whatever type of hook. So if he did this on every song, he he inevitably started losing points for it. But he's not going to here. So let's get into the verse by Hammer. 
So right here so far from Hammer, you see now he say he starts off with it's the one you can't touch, pump it up, turn it up, a brand new cut for the hammer to burn up. Now, this is a little this is a little like a lot of other scenarios we had where there's there's give and take here. It seems like multiple syllables are being rhymed here, but they're not if you look into it, because turn it up. First of all, he should have really said a brand new cut for the hammer. See, this is this is the problem that I'm talking about. It wouldn't make sense. A brand new cut for the hammer to burn it up. I mean, I, I guess he, he could have said it like that, but that's the point that I'm trying to make is the line before is turn it up, and then the line after that is burn up. So it doesn't even really rhyme properly, and even if it did, you're really only rhyming burn and turn because it up and it up are the same words turn it up burn it up i'm not saying there's anything wrong with doing that i'm just saying it's a little bit of a disguise to where it might look like multiple syllables are rhyming but it's really not it's just turn and burn now again you you have only the one syllable in the rhymes but you do have a couple of times where it's done in the bars so you have it's the one you can't touch pump it up turn it up a brand new cut for the hammer to burn up so you know, you got three or four rhymes there in the two bars. So I think a lot of that kind of evens itself out. The next couple of lines are really, they're just fine. They're basic. They're simple. They lead into each other okay. This doesn't really seem to be specifically about anything in particular. You got mostly just one rhyme, one syllable per bar for the most part and everything so far here. Alright, so here again, I just wanted to cut in real quick and just say that it, it it's basically, this has been very consistent so far, I will say that. He's basically done the same thing here a bunch of times. There's nothing really great going on, there's no great lines being dropped, there's not, you know, three, four, five, six syllables in these rhymes. But he does have, you tried to play me soft, now you set it off. If you got something on your chest, let it off. So... He's got soft and off in the first bar, and then it's set it off, let it off, which is the same pattern as we talked about earlier when he came in on the first verse and he said, turn it up, burn it up. But at least this time, he didn't say burn it up, actually, my mistake. He said, burn, turn it up, burn up. So I, I thought that was a little off there, but this one is set it off, let it off. It's the same thing, off and off, you know, it off, it off, those are the same words. So it's really only set and let that are rhyming there. Um, after that he does have cause we can get on it don't let the dance steps fool you cause if I catch you slipping I'ma have to do you 
So that is two syllables. Again, it's nothing is nothing that's going to raise this at all. Um, it's pretty simple for the most part here. I do want to touch on the fact that I looked into Hammer a lot when doing this study, and it was pretty crazy and funny to me how many other rappers went out of their way to vouch for Hammer, talking about how Hammer was Hammer was pretty rugged from what I hear. Hammer was pretty crazy, and Hammer was not to be fucked with. So it is pretty funny that most people just think of Hammer as this big, you know, one-hit wonder with these big pants and this dancing dude. Um, and then you hear lyrics where it's, you know, because can we get it on? Don't let the dance steps fool you, because if I catch you slipping, I'm going to have to do you. And it's funny because he's saying this shit on his records, but... I, I don't know if anyone was really listening to Hammer's lyrics, and I'm not saying this to be disrespectful, but I don't think Hammer was ever taken by anybody to be a lyricist. Now, if you're a Hammer fan, I'm sure you've noticed this stuff, but for your everyday person that doesn't really listen to MC Hammer past, you can't touch this or too legit to quit, you might not notice these type of things, where even if you did hear this song, you might not even say you know, wow, that's funny, like, Hammer's dancing and everything, but he's saying, like, don't fuck around, because I'll fuck you up, and Hammer was crazy, he would, like, nobody's really getting that stuff, so, again, it's nothing too great, it's nothing too major, but he, he's doing an okay job here with, with what he's trying to do, and he's just being simple, and, you know, simple, simple lines that make sense, he's not reaching for anything, he's not having any bad lines, just, again, simple, basic stuff here. Okay, so again, you got more of, of what went on. One to the chin, another to the jaw. I know you just busters pretending like you raw. Mash it, trash it, search couldn't pass it. The trick's last album didn't even go plastic. Pretty good. Those are pretty good bars right there because it he's keeping the same theme. Again, the song isn't about anything in particular, but these bars are leading into each other well. Um, I just told you a little bit of Hammer's background, so I don't mind Hammer saying this shit because I've heard that Hammer really was like this. Then you have the bar where it's mash it, trash it, search couldn't pass it. So you have three rhymes there. And again, not great one-syllable rhymes, but you have three rhymes in the one bar, and then the Trick's last album didn't even go plastic. Now, knowing what I told you before about Hammer, with him having one of the best-selling hip-hop albums of all time, that line is a little bit harder when he's shitting on somebody for them not being able to sell music because he was tremendous at selling music. He has one of the best-selling hip-hop albums of all time. So... Again, I don't think that any of that in itself was enough to raise this song above average right now, but I, I do like Hammer's verses here so far. They're nothing special, they're nothing great, they're simplistic, they're basic stuff, but in general, for the most part, I do like what Hammer's done so far with this song. Ok, 
got a little bridge breakdown here. Again, this is this is not bad here from Hammer. You have the bridge. Then he's talking, you know, pretty much more about the same of what he's been saying earlier. He's kind of painting a picture about, you know, that because East Oaktown didn't raise no punk. So I think he, I think Hammer tries to kind of portray that image, at least in this song of, I, I don't. I'm not trying to sound like a gangster here. I'm not here to fight people or fuck people up. Um, I'm here to dance. I'm here to have a party. But don't fucking try to play me like a fool because I will fuck you up. East Oaktown didn't raise no punk. So, again, all of this stuff has fit the theme. It's it's. I won't say it's been on topic uh, because the song doesn't really particularly have that much I mean I get it it does have a topic in a sense of where you know bust them in the back of their head for the shit that they shouldn't have said I mean you could you could say that he's kept a topic decently in this song so far of where the the song is basically about what I said to you where I'm here to dance and have a party but don't fuck around don't talk shit about me because I will fuck you up so he's kept that theme throughout I'm not sure that this this song would get a raised score. This is not really like an original topic done in an original way that he held on to the whole song or, you know, told this crazy story or anything like that. So I haven't seen him do anything in this song so far that I would say that this song is at least a two. But again, he's kept a, a common theme in the, in this song here. And I like what he's done for the most part with his verses. Then he has where he says... So sit up, get up, girls, they get lit up. So again, you got, he's been very consistent. You got the same type of thing where it's sit up, get up, lit up, 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 up. But the bar, the word before it rhymes and he has three of those in one bar and then it's followed by check it. Hammer came with the unexpected, I wreck it. So the bar one has three rhymes in it and then bar two has check it came with the unexpected i wrecked it now again those three rhymes don't rhyme with the bar before it but there's three in the bar before it and three there and the second batch of three is a double syllable rhyme so again nothing special nothing amazing it's mostly basic stuff um, there hasn't been anything mind-blowing or great in here that I would say is definitely going to raise this score to a two, but it's bordering. It, it's it's getting to that point where, all right, you know, maybe maybe the next song, if it's bordering, I, I give that one a two. So these are things where when you're doing this in succession and you've done 20, 30, 40 Hammer songs and you've got another 30, 40 left, it's a little bit easier for you to gauge where to put this if it's kind of in between. Um, that being said, let's get into the end of the song. Quick, I just met 
So I didn't even, you know, obviously I heard him say this. I listened and, and you know, scored this song. But I, I, when we put it on, I didn't remember that he, that he dissed Redman in this song. I did know that him and Redman had gotten into it. Redman has talked about this publicly. Red, it, it's funny because Redman's, you know, I know Redman personally. I've met Redman many times. I've hung out with Redman a couple of times. He used to go to the gym that I went to. Method Man also went to another gym that I went to. I hung out with Red the night before my wedding. Um, he he actually lived. His house is in a community, and it's attached to my friend's mom's house. So I mean, there's been times we've been chilling in my boy's house, and Red will come over and knock on the door. Yo, let me get some, you know, let me get some sugar or something. It's maybe not that ex- specific example, but many times things like this have happened. I Redman, Redman don't seem like a punk to me. I don't get that idea that Redman is soft or anything like that. So for Redman to speak about MC Hammer in the fashion that he did, I don't remember exactly what went on with the two. I don't think anybody, you know, anything ever really came of it. I know they exchanged words, but you know, Red kind of jokes about it nowadays. And you know, Hammer was fucking scary, man. He was not playing. He rolled up on me, whatever, whatever. So. I know where those bars are coming from. I know the backstory behind the bars. I didn't remember that they were particularly in here, but getting into the technicality of what he said, and that punk red man, I hit you with the back, son. Talk is cheap. It's time, time for some action. Because that was a red man song, so he kind of took that. That's that's not a bad line, the second bar. The first bar, and that punk red man, I hit you with the back, son. It's that's not really a good line. He just was again, it's one of those things where they thought of a pretty decent line but couldn't come up with the real proper way to make it sick. The line that leads into it is kind of just said back son because he wanted something to rhyme with action because he knew he wanted to say it's time time for some action. So while that line is pretty good because talk is cheap, it's time time for some action. The line that leads into it isn't very good. Um, gonna make you eat every word that you said, and a trick like you would end up dead, Red. But another talk about the moms and the pops, and when the joking stops, I'm gonna knock off your block. So, again, it's very similar to what we've had before. It's, you know, one syllable rhymes said, dead, red, pops, stops, block. We did have three rhymes in a two-bar sequence. So again, he showed the ability. He's definitely showed the ability consistently in this song to have more than one rhyme per bar. I won't say he does it every bar, but he's done it on multiple occasions in this song. Again, he hasn't strung a lot of things together. He hasn't strung the multi-syllabic bars with the multi-rhymes per bar, with the dope line, with the proper line leading into it or following it and, and stuff like that. So there's not all these things being strung together. Overall, I would say when all is said and done, this song probably got an average scoring. But like I said, it was bordering a little bit 
in between average and good. I think it was closer to average than good, but heard in succession with all the songs that came before it and all the songs came after it, I'm sure it was scored correctly for what it is. Um, now, with that being done, again, that's that's just that song. I, I, I really, I want to stress this. It's funny because I, I joked a couple of times where I said that when we do these song breakdowns, how it's only that song at that moment. I can't, I can't incorporate every other. I did Hammer years ago. I, I did this, I did Hammer probably at least two years ago, if not more. So I can't say that I remember all these particular things, but one thing I do remember is Hammer was pretty bad. And I joked about maybe an awesome artist and we, you know, we hit random and a shitty song comes on or an artist that really wasn't very good and a, and a, a you know, their best song comes on. Now that wasn't Hammer's best song because he did have above average songs, but lyrically that song made Hammer definitely look better than what he was overall. Now, I'm not saying that Hammer sucked on every track. This song in particular, this album in particular, um, was was closer to the you know the Diamond album than it was towards the end of his career. Um, let's get into before I say too much. Let's let's get into. The notes that I took down for Hammer. You'll understand more what I'm saying when I, when I read this to you. We all know MC Hammer for dance songs such as Can't Touch This and Too Legit to Quit. But what I myself was unaware of was how many albums he had. And that he was still putting out music up until as recently as 2009. I always just considered MC Hammer to be more of a get the party going type of song maker, but he apparently considered himself a lyrical master as he stated multiple times. I'd have to disagree as he was well below average lyrically and all of his qualifying albums were just average. Hammer had 95 songs that qualified but none of them were great, only 4 of them were good and 12 of them were weak. Although most people know Hammer, and have heard his name and probably at least one of his songs, he didn't have much of an influence on any other artists. Before I looked deeper into MC Hammer, he seemed pretty original, but the more I listened, the less original he got. He went from wearing big pants and seemingly having his own style of music, to later in his career completely switching and copying down south hyphy and crunk style music to the T. Now again, I only jotted down some notes when doing this, but this is something that I remember. I When we did the Fat Boys and I talked about Marky D, he was one of the few artists that up to that point, I had remembered something specifically about them. The same, same is true here with Hammer. I remember this. I remember Hammer just taking this crazy turn out of nowhere and it was like, whoa, what the fuck happened? He just all of a sudden is doing, I mean, he copied this shit to the T. So whatever points he got early on for the baggy pants and the, and his style that he brought to the table with the dancing and all this type of shit, he lost that probably even more so towards the end of his career with really just copying a lot of things and it just looked like he wasn't really giving an effort um, he also had some gospel albums, which I didn't, they didn't qualify for scoring because 
we talked about in the intro podcast how you know gospel and Christian hip hop and all that type of stuff. That subgenre is not included in this for multiple reasons. One being, I don't deem it to be fair to the artist because you would lose points for originality and things like that when you every song is about the same thing. Um, again, there's ways around that, but I, I just didn't deem it to be fair. So Christian hip-hop and the gospel and that type of stuff was, was left out of this study. All that being said, I, I'm not trying to shit on Hammer's music. I'm I'm just being real. Um, it is what it is. He went from from one style to the other. You know, he switched over after it came out, so it's not like he was the first one. It's not like he switched styles and created a new style. He was doing one thing, and then after something else came out, he just decided to copy it. It looked to me like he wanted a combination of what was selling at that moment combined with his name to just sell records and i'm sure he did i'm sure he did to a certain extent i'm not saying that those those later albums did great but i'm sure he made fucking money off of them so i mean you know if you put in a minimal effort and you're copying something else and you you know you made a hundred thousand dollars off of it, i mean fucking awesome bro good for you you know what can i say more power to you hats off to you but as far as this study when we're studying things he lost points for it with that said let's get into his actual math Lyrics 3, which I want to point out, is the worst score lyrically that we've gotten so far. Album score is a 2.97 with zero classics, which is a pretty low score. There were no weak albums, but none of there were no good albums, great albums, or classic albums either. So that's a pretty low album score. The song score is minus 1.3, which is a lot. Impact is a 5.5. Now... That's a little bit of a slippery one because when you have these one-hit wonder type of guys, which I said technically Hammer is not a one-hit wonder, but I think everyone understands the point that I'm trying to make when I say that. He never came anywhere remotely near the level of success that he had with that one album. It's not like he had a diamond album and six platinum ones and four gold ones. He just had the diamond album. Like That's really it. Nothing else that he ever did ever really came close to that so while he's not technically a one-hit wonder he does kind of fall into that category you can't unless there's a lot of other factors that come into play you can't just give somebody a good score off of being a one-hit wonder you know in fact that i think that that could probably take away from their impact score because you did make it you did get noticed by a label or by a person or by a radio or whatever and you did have a hit that everybody knows to this day like everybody knows one hit wonders and you still were unable with all of that fame and that attention and that success that you grabbed from that one song you still were unable to be successful after that so unless you impacted a lot of artists or you you know, you had a subgenre come from you or things like that, being in that one-hit wonder type of category would probably hurt you more than help you, depending on what came along with it. But we did talk about how Hammer was the very first hip-hop album to go diamond, and he stayed the number one hip-hop selling album for a very long time, and up until 2020, he is still in that top five of best-selling hip-hop albums of all time. So, he gets a five and a half there. I do think that 
just that album being the first hip hop album to go diamond and staying one of the best selling hip hop albums of all time for what is it? I mean, it's been like 30 years at this point. Uh, more than 30 years, 34 years at this point or whatever, whatever year it was when that particular song and album came out, but it's over 30 years and he's still in that top five. I think that alone carries him to a 5.5 um, or I just should say a, an above average impact on hip hop. I mean, that that is above average. That, that, you know, those factors are above average. So I think the 5.5 is warranted. So while it's still not a high score, it could have been lower had he not done that. Originality, he gets a four and a half because we spoke about how early on, you know, I, I don't want to say that he was the most original artist. It's not like he was, you know, an ODB or somebody like that early on to where the originality was off the charts, but it was above average. But, I mean, as his career went on, it dipped to well below average. So those things all being taken into consideration and factored he got a just below average score for originality now those five scores added up and divided by five equal a 2.93 which finishes him in can we get the drum roll please 112th out of 114 artists done so again i'm not here to shit on anyone's art or music or anything but when you consider all things with MC Hammer this is not just lyrically this is not just successfully this is you know not just any one thing when you look at MC Hammer's career as a whole it's not good he had an extreme amount of success in in one area um, and I mean, he had long-term success. What, like I said, his name is his name. That album going diamond and that song and stuff like that. He's always gonna have people from that era that are gonna buy his music. Period. Just it is what it is, and I get that. And that's that's. I'm not trying to take anything away from him. Hats off to him for that. I give Hammer all the praise. That man reached the level of his success that I will never come anywhere near. So I'm not trying to shit on him. But all in all. I mean, when you couple in the lyric score and how good his albums were and how many bad songs he had in comparison to the great ones and then his impact kind of being a slippery slope where, you know, a lot of his career wasn't majorly successful but then he has the one huge part and the originality kind of being a little bit where he was, you know, pretty damn original in the beginning and then went to well below original towards the end with copying a lot of stuff and you know those kind of those kind of write each other off a little above average for the impact a little abo uh, below average for the originality again when you add all those together and you come out with that final score 112 out of 114 artists done so it is not looking good for mc hammer right now sorry hammer hopefully hammer doesn't fucking come looking for me like he did for Redman. but okay since we got MC Hammer out of the way, let's move on to Dougie Fresh, who, as I stated earlier, was also had his debut album in 1986. Born September 17th, 1966, age 53, in Barbados. His origins are Harlem, Manhattan, New York City, New York, United States. Genre is listed as hip-hop. Years active, 1984 to present. 
Douglas Davis, better known by his stage name Dougie Fresh, born September 17, 1966, is a Barbadian American rapper, record producer, and beatboxer, also known as the Human Beatbox. The pioneer of 20th century American beatboxing, Fresh is able to accurately imitate drum machines and various special effects using only his mouth, lips, gums, throat, tongue, and a microphone. So, I want to point out off the bat that there's probably more pointed out in his bio about him beatboxing than there really is about him being a rapper. So, while that doesn't mean everything, I think you can already probably see where the general consensus is going to go for Dougie Fresh. Um, I, You know, Dougie Fresh did rap, but... When, when I get into what I wrote down for Dougie Fresh later, you're going to understand what I mean. He's one of those people, I said this about Curtis Blow, and I probably would say it even more so for Dougie Fresh. It's, it's really hard for me to just sit here and call Dougie Fresh a rapper. He really was the epitome of what the term MC is. Um, he was there for other things, in my opinion, than just rapping and spitting bars, which we will get into later, but... I just wanted to point out how you can already see right away from just reading the bio that Dougie Fresh is probably not really gonna be, uh, you know, one of these rappers where he's a bar spitter and, you, you know, a lyricist and stuff like that. You can kind of see what Dougie Fresh was there for. I do want to touch a little bit on the beatboxing scenario where we had talked about uh, DJ Buff Love from the Fat Boys when we covered the Fat Boys and how he was one of the first beatboxers. Now, here's the thing. I, I told you, I look up as much as I can. So I did look into this and I did try to find out who really officially was the first beatboxer. Obviously, we're never going to know this. We're never going to get to the absolute bottom of this. Somebody may have been doing this in their room 20 years before either of these guys, and no one ever heard them do it. So we're never really going to know who the originator of beatboxing was. What I have to do is I have to go by the facts that are presented to me, and by the facts that are presented to me, it looks to me as though... Buff Love, I, I I would put Buff Love as doing this before Dougie Fresh, but again, I don't know that for a fact. The reasons that I am saying this is because, first and foremost, the Fat Boys album, with them doing it on there, came out before Dougie Fresh. Um, not even in the same year. So... If you look at it that way, I mean, to the general public, the first person that they really saw doing it, at least on an album, was the Fat Boys. Now, you could say a lot of shit probably went on behind the scenes, in the streets, and all this other type of shit before either of those albums were released, and I'll agree with you. I'm sure there's plenty of parties and shows and beatbox battles and corner battles going on and shit like that so again i can't factually say who the first one to do it was but again i do know that the fat boys won a contest i forget exactly what it was called um but they won some sort of contest where if i remember correctly 
they didn't even really enter the contest to win the record deal or the record label that they actually wound up, you know, winning from it. But obviously we can see what happened from that. They went into it with, with a certain goal in mind and they actually, I think it was like a, like a t-shirt or something, something stupid. Um, and they wound up winning with the beatboxing and all that type of stuff. And they were given this record deal and, 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 you know, made their first album, which was successful and they went on to have a pretty successful career. So there's more things than one that point to Buff Love from the Fat Boys being the first to do this. But I won't entirely take away credit from Dougie Fresh because nonetheless, whether whether the Fat Boys were technically the first ones to do it or not, I mean, you're talking about a, a year difference here. Dougie Fresh is one of the first beatboxers. He is one of the pioneers of beatboxing. And I do believe, if I remember correctly, when reading up on all this stuff, that he definitely was the first one to bring in certain aspects of beatboxing. So where Buff Love may have technically, to the naked eye, been the first one to do it, Dougie Fresh definitely added other things in there. And he was the first to do specific things. So... I just wanted to point both sides of the fence out there. Again, with that being said, let's get into a Dougie Fresh song. We're going to go to his list. We're going to click random. This is Dougie Fresh, Everybody Got to Get Some, and it's from his second album, The World's Greatest Entertainer. Time for us to start kicking off this black, black, black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me pause this right here before we even get into any lyrics. We're 30 seconds into the song, and you can see what this is. There's a lot of scratching going on. There's a lot of Dougie Fresh MCing. It's almost like he's DJing at a party, and he's, you know, everybody get some, everybody get up. And it's it's one thing to say these things on a track, but most of the high majority of his tracks are like this, where... This goes on sometimes, he'll only spit one verse on a song and this will go on where he'll just, you know, kind of have his DJ or he'll be on the mic kind of just, you know, talking over scratches and getting the party hyped up. Um, so again, I, I, I have a hard time just calling Dougie Fresh a rapper. <laughs> Okay, a couple things here. Coming in the place and clearing up the smoke, it's the guest fr get fresh crew and we ain't no joke, y'all. One one rhyme per bar, one syllable, basic stuff. Laugh or riddle and not by a little. Chance you can dance because you rather not sit until. That line is pretty weak. Laugh or riddle and not by a little doesn't even really make much sense. Chance you can dance because you rather not sit until. This sit until is a reach for a rhyme with not by a little. He has a couple of things in here 
that need to be noted. In the first bar, he does have a two-syllable rhyme, riddle and little, and it's more than one rhyme in the one bar. And then he does it again, chance you dance, which is only one syllable, but again, two rhymes in the bar, because you rather not sit until, and not even work up a sweat, besides we're in the house, but not on yet. I would say it is more bad than good in, in this verse so far here. It is nothing horrible. It is certainly not the worst that I've seen by any means, but it, it's certainly not good. Again, I feel like Dougie, Dougie Fresh is here for a particular reason, and I, I get what he's trying to do, but we're here to dissect the song as a whole. We're here to talk about the lyrics. We're here to talk about the topics, the originality, the success, all you know, the hook, all the factors that come into this song, and, and so far... It's it's not great here with the lyrics. Okay, so now what you notice here with these next couple of bars, so relax and max and get a girl and wax, and if she's fronting, there's plenty in the house to ask. That's not bad. It's not great. Bar A leads into bar B well. They have, you know, everything to do with each other. But he kind of just reaches for lines. We've, we've seen this in many other occasions. So relax and max and get a girl and wax. You know, it's he just throwing a word in there that kind of rhymes with it. And it's not, you know, it's, it's a little bit lazy. It's not the best thing he could have said. Because I'd be living like every day is Thanksgiving. Don't like Andy Griffith and can't stand sniffing. Now, not only do those lines have nothing to do with each other, they also have really kind of nothing to do with the song. And it's just it's just kind of weird and random. It's, you know, I mean, I could think of a million words off the top of my head right now that rhyme, but if I can't put a proper sentence together and stuff like that. I mean, I just don't really know like what the point of it is. I don't know what one thing has to do with each other. The rhymes are even a reach. Thanksgiving, Griffith, Can't Stand Sniffing. It's, it's not very good. Uh, and it's a run on bar because it ends with, because I'd be living like every day's Thanksgiving. Don't like Andy Griffith. It can't stand sniffing. Nothing up my nose except clean air or the polo cologne that get fresh wear. Now you have an instance there where bar A has nothing to do with bar B. And then an instance on the last two bars where bar A leads into bar B well. So in this first verse, we're seeing a lot of inconsistencies. We've seen him rhyme more than one word per bar. We've seen him do one rhyme per bar, basic one syllable stuff. We've seen him kind of almost not make sense. We've seen bar A lead into bar B very well a couple of times. We've seen bar A have absolutely nothing to do with bar B. We've seen bar A and B have really nothing to do with what's going on in the song. So while I'm not sure that I would say that this is, you know, I wouldn't call this a weak song just yet. It's again, there's been more bad than good in this so far. Come on, let's 
small editorial. But better yet, it's sort of memorial. Saying goodbye to nonsense lyrics seems like a gift from a friend or a miracle. Alright. I, I have an issue with this for a couple of reasons. He starts off okay. Now you could look at each rhyme as a small editorial, or better yet, a sort of memorial. Saying goodbye to nonsense lyrics. That's pretty cool. That's pretty good. You have four syllables that rhyme there in that rhyme, so that's that's pretty good. It's only one rhyme each bar, but it's four syllables, which is pretty good. But my issue here is the next two lines, saying goodbye to nonsense lyrics seems like a gift from a friend or a miracle. First of all, be better than that, bro. Lyrics and miracle don't rhyme. You could have used lyrical. Saying goodbye to cats who can't be lyrical seems like a gift from a friend or a miracle. I literally, I didn't plan that. I literally just thought of that on the spot sitting here. To me, that doesn't seem difficult. There's really no excuse for that. Now, on top of that, you have a rhyme here that I'm saying there's no excuse for and you need to be better than that. And what are you talking about in your line? Saying goodbye to nonsense lyrics. We just pointed out a couple of nonsense lyrics in the verse before and these are kind of nonsense lyrics in themselves right here. So to be bashing nonsense lyrics with nonsense lyrics is just a little bit crazy to me again i'm not trying to shit on dougie fresh there was people that i had a hell of a hard time listening to dougie fresh was not really one of them i wouldn't call him necessarily my cup of tea but he wasn't killing me listening to him but again we're analyzing him we're breaking down this song right here and so far this is this is getting pretty bad Possible for your own before you didn't know who it was, now you know for sure. And, and, and furthermore, I said, I'm not a friend follower, death rhyme swallower, biting lyrics because I want to get popular. Some said, get up and go get up. An MC mention my name, he don't get up. Okay, so here we have. I, I like what he points out here. Responsible for you on the floor. You didn't know who it was, now you know for sure. I like that because. Again, I'm not saying it's a great line. It's simple. It's it's one rhyme per bar. It's one syllable per rhyme. But he's making a point here. He, I told you before we even put this song on and when the song started that he seems like his main purpose really is to get a party started and get people moving and dancing. And he's, he's stating responsible for you on the floor. So I like that. I think it's a better route for him to go instead of talking about getting rid of nonsense lyrics while he's spitting nonsense lyrics. I, I just don't understand that. Um, then he has a little bit of a, of a you know, and, and, and furthermore, everybody, I'm not a trend follower, deaf rhyme swallower, biting lyrics because I want to get popular. He's got a little bit of a cool delivery there with the and, and, and furthermore, but the rhymes themselves when you get into it is not really good you know furthermore and everybody nothing is really ever rhymed with those then he just kind of throws in his in his last sentence i'm not a trend follower deaf rhyme swallower where he kind of starts naming like it's cool because you have the three syllables in the rhymes um and you have two rhymes in that one bar but he is kind of just it's not as random before when he said Thanksgiving and Andy Griffith, but it's kind of he's just saying random things. Bar A doesn't really have anything to do with bar B. Actually, the second half of bar A doesn't really have much to do with the first half of bar A. And then he says, 
biting lyrics because I want to get popular. So we talked last week about LL Cool J and Cool Mo D, how they got into a feud over people, over, you know, LL Cool J being accused of biting styles and lyrics. And then, it, you know, it's a little bit interesting. The next year following, you you have Dougie Fresh talking about biting lyrics because I want to get popular. I, I don't know. I don't know that that's a shot at anybody. I've never seen anything, to my knowledge, where Dougie Fresh really got into it with anybody like that. Um, but I think in general, these bars right here are much, much, much better than the four bars that preceded it. Again, it's inconsistent here. I, I kind of would like him to just stick to his script of I'm responsible for you on the floor. He doesn't have to rap about that in every song, but I think going the route of attacking people for weak lyrics while you're spitting weak lyrics is just, it's just a coming from somebody who writes lyrics. It's frustrating for me. And I don't feel that my songs get the credit they deserve, but I surely feel that if I was to put out a song where I verbally stated that it was pissing me off that people were only having one rhyme per bar and only using one syllable per rhyme. And in me stating that in my rhymes, I only have one syllable rhymes and one rhyme per bar. People would call me on that shit. People would say, wow, you're a fucking clown. You're out here dissing people talking about how they, they can't say more than one rhyme per bar or one syllable per rhyme and you're fucking only having one rhyme per bar and one syllable per rhyme. It would sound stupid. So I just have an issue with that, but I do think this second set of bars here was much better than the first set. Disrespect my intellect Well I call checkmate He call check He fucking his nails like a nervous wreck He didn't break it up the record at the disco check One more time at the climax Now we think I'm all peace Cause I'm a bitter as a rhyme And I'm not here to represent All rappers that intelligent But each Okay let me point out that Again he, he's a bit inconsistent But He has again multiple times Showed an ability at least to do multi-syllabic rhymes and I'm not here to represent all rappers rap intelligent so let's take the actual lines out of you know the, the weight that the lines hold out of it and let's just look at the actual rhymes represent intelligent so you do have a couple of a couple of instances in this song now some of the rhymes are, are reaches a little bit because represent an intelligent it's really only, you know, kind of the last syllable that's rhyming. Before that is kind of a little bit of a reach as he did with some other lines prior, but it's just a lot of inconsistency here. It's, while well, I call checkmate, he call check, biting his nails like a nervous wreck. That's a pretty decent line. Um, it's, it's, not, it's not great because if you look at the bar literally, while I, while I call checkmate, he call check, once checkmate is applied, the game is over. So I, I'm a little bit I'm a little bit nitpicky here with the order of what he said. I would have liked to hear when he calls check, I'm calling checkmate next or something. Would have been a better line to me. Um It's not bad. I get what he's saying. He's trying to interchange that while I call checkmate, he call check. I just think it's it's not worded in the best way. It's kind of in the wrong order. But again, he needed something to rhyme with the next line, which is Nervous Wreck. All in all, I'd say those are those are some decent bars. It's just one, you know, the one rhyme per bar, one syllable rhymes. The line is decent. I feel like it could have been worded better. 
Um, and the rest of it is, you know, aside from represent and intelligent, again, the most the, the most of the rest of it is pretty basic stuff. It's a little inconsistent. It's a little all over the place. You got a decent line. You got a weak line. You got a multi-syllabic rhyme. You got one syllable rhymes. You got one rhyme per bar. You got a couple of rhymes per bar. So he's really kind of all over the place. One thing I, I do think that he probably is doing. Now, again, I wasn't in 1986. I was two years old. So I wasn't in the, in the clubs while this is going on. I couldn't tell you from personal experience how the crowd's reaction to not only this song, but Dougie Fresh's songs in general were. But I, you know, you can get an idea from what you hear from people, and I, you know, I'm sure this song probably did its job for what it was intended for. Okay, so, but each rhyme being stated is well past decent. Some of them are old, and some are quite recent. Most of them licensed by the police precinct quite frequent. Again, I ha it's 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 all over the place. Now you have decent, recent, precinct, frequent, which is four bars in a row where you have two syllable rhymes. Again, it's the only rhymes in those bars, so there's not more than one rhyme per bar. And I have a bit of an issue with the actual words being said. He's saying, but each rhyme being stated is well past decent. That's false. We've literally just broken down for a fact that that's false. These are not well past decent rhymes. There's actually rhymes that were absolutely well below decent. Um, some of them are old and some of them are quite recent. It's just random. It's just what he what he basically did here was decent. Okay, recent, precinct, frequent. You're just thinking of a bunch of random words that rhyme with each other, and then you're you're throwing in a bunch of filler to just fill in the blanks. Well, what's going to go before decent? Well, each rhyme that being stated is well past decent. Okay, what's going to go before recent? Well, some of them are old and some are quite recent. What's going to go before precinct? Most of them are licensed by the police precinct. What's going to go before frequent? Nothing. Nothing at all. I'm just going to say quite frequent. So... It's a little bit lazy. There's a little bit of shortcuts taken there. Yes, it's two syllables on the rhyme, but it's just, it's, again, it's more good than bad. All right, so again, inconsistencies. Cut professor, casual dress, body inspector, girl selector. So you have a, a rhyme with three syllables there. And there's nothing wrong with that line. But it, again, it's totally random. You know, it doesn't have anything to do with each other. Cut professor, casual dressed, body inspector, girl selector. I actually, he probably said casual dresser. This is probably a typo, so let me let me fix that. But cut professor, casual dresser, body inspector, girl selector. So it's dope because you have the four rhymes there, and you have three syllables per rhyme. So that is pretty dope. 
They don't really have anything to do with each other, but that's okay because he's kind of running off a list. That is more good than bad, for sure. Call him the creator or Barry B, and he's the master of scratch philosophy. Bar A leads into Bar B well. Now you have philosophy, which is a four-syllable word, but only phi and B are rhyming. So it's only a one-syllable rhyme. Cutting it up with a flick of the wrist. Bar do it something like this. Come on. Again, it's simple. It's simple stuff. Aside from that first batch where you had the, the three syllables and the four rhymes, it's simple, basic stuff. But this four-bar sequence right here is definitely above par with most of what we've seen from him so far, but he has been a bit inconsistent and all over the place. Okay, that's kind of the same, almost the same exact scenario as you have before. You got something syllable, uh, you got something simple, cut mix maestro, cuts a nitro, and then he goes away from that rhyme scheme. Glyphic, terrific, I'll be specific, the words I say show as much significance. That rhyme is a little bit of a reach. You have terrific and specific, which is three syllables on the rhyme which is good you have it more than once in one bar which is good but again they don't really have anything to do with each other and then the following bar i say shows much significance is a reach significance doesn't really rhyme with terrific and specific he probably significant and for instance if you take time to figure out this rhyme you know it makes sense get busy so I see what he's doing there, a little bit of wordplay. I'm not really sure, again, that it was done in the best possible fashion that it could have been done, but more good than bad here. so now he's kind of a bit all over the place again i'm an articulate brother that's hard to describe living the laws and i'm from the 12th tribe really it's just random it really has nothing to do with anything eat real well and i dare not gel and clientele don't make me swell those are kind of those are kind of weak bars eat real well and i do not gel and clientele don't make me swell yeah he has four rhymes in in two bars there but they're one-syllable rhymes. They have really nothing to do with each other. They're totally random. They're not really good rhymes. And, you know, the make me swell, it's kind of just a reach. It's one of those things where you're throwing in a word that rhymes with something and you just, you know, you're trying to make it work. It, it kind of works, but it's kind of weak. It's kind of lazy. New York City is where I live and uplift the spirit is what I give. Again, they're kind of random. He's running off kind of like a random list of shit here. Um, but... One one rhyme here per bar, one syllable per rhyme. Um, this is kind of just average basic stuff. Bird to big bird, I ain't no sex, but I 
Okay, so again to end it off word to big bird i ain't no saint but our show is so dope that you're bound to faint uh i mean word to big bird i just unless i'm missing something i i don't really get it i've told you guys about how when i don't really get a line i mean i'm inclined to look into it and make sure that i'm not missing something Word to Big Bird, to me, just rhymes like some random shit that he said because word and bird rhyme. Now, he did pull that off. He did do a A-A-B-B rhyme pattern where word to Big Bird is A-A, I ain't no saint is B, but our show is so dope that you're bound to faint B. So, that line is okay. I mean, it's one of those things where he's being figurative, um... You're obviously not going to faint from one of his shows. I get his little pun there with the show is dope and you're bound to faint. But it's not It's not a great line. It's not anything that's overly good. It's Again, it's the the one-syllable rhymes and stuff like that. And if, you, and if not, you're going to leave exhausted saying to yourself that Doug ain't lost it. Rocking all night with the real number one and the show is so hot you could call me son. And I just begun. That's that's pretty good. I mean, that's that's not bad. That's not bad at all. Again, more good than bad. So we've uh, we were kind of all over the place in this song. We had a little bit of everything. Um, multi-syllabic rhymes, one-syllable rhymes. You know, couple three three rhymes per bar. A couple that had just the one rhyme per bar. You had things that made no sense. You had weak lines. You had some pretty good lines. You had a little bit of everything. It was all over the place, but. You can kind of see for the most part where Dougie Fresh was going with his career. And, and I mean, we saw this in the in the bio that I read from where they, they talked more about his beatboxing than they did about his actual rapping. So to me, that says something about his career. You know, I told you guys how I, I had a problem calling him just a rapper. I, I don't really even think it's fair to say that about him. But all that being said, let's get into what I wrote down when listening to Dougie Fresh. I'm inclined to believe that most people have at least heard of Dougie Fresh, if nothing else. He was a bit inconsistent as most of his songs were pretty random, and while he wasn't too bad with bar A leading into bar B, well, he wasn't great with it either. Now, it's funny how I told you guys that I, I we talked about examples of a great artist and a, a whack song gets played, or a, or a whack artist and a good song gets played, and then we talked about how when I write down these notes, how I'm only writing down the things that were done consistently, whether good or bad, or the things that really would affect their score and not the things that were done once or twice or randomly. So right away in the beginning, you're seeing exactly in my explanation exactly what we got out of that song. I said that he was a bit inconsistent. I said that most of his songs were pretty random. And while he wasn't too bad with bar A leading into bar B, well, he wasn't great with it either. We saw all of that in that song right there, so I'm glad that happened. He had songs where he was able to keep a topic throughout and times where he seemed unable to do so. He did have the occasional good bar, but a lot of rhymes were predictable and he did have a fair amount of run-on bars. He certainly appeared to be more of an entertainer than a rapper. 
He was an MC that was clearly there to make people have a good time, and Spitting Bars took a back seat to that, yet he still managed to finish just below average lyrically. Dougie Fresh qualified four albums for scoring, with one being good and the other three being average. Of his 46 songs, none were great, but only two were good and one was weak. While his influence on hip-hop wasn't huge musically, he was a pretty big name and had influences on artists such as Big Daddy Kane, Joe Budden, Biggie, and a few others. Dougie Fresh was a little all over the place with originality as he did seem to borrow a fair amount of things from other artists, but he seemed to always do it in his own personal style, which stayed consistent throughout. It's it's odd how accurate that entire description of Dougie Fresh is with the song that we just listened to. So you can kind of get an idea, probably more so with Dougie Fresh than maybe anybody that we've done so far, of how the majority of his career went. The majority of his songs and stuff like that were kind of all over the place, and even the songs that weren't all over the place from song to song was inconsistent or line to line or bar to bar or verse to verse. He was a a little bit all over the place with everything from his lyrics to his songs to his originality and stuff like that. Um, With all those factors taken into consideration, let's get into his actual numbers and his scores. Lyrics, he gets a 4.5. Albums, he gets a 3.38 with no classic albums. His song score is a minus 0.22. His impact is a five and a half, and his originality is a six. When you add all five of those things up and you divide by five, you get a final score of 3.83, which hit me with the drum roll, please leaves Dougie Fresh in 91st of 114 artists done. So both of these guys finished pretty low. Um, I'm... I'm not sure that anybody would really have much of an issue with that. Uh, I'm not saying that you guys would have them in exactly the same place. You guys also didn't study them the way that I did, but that's that's fair. Everybody's entitled to their opinion, but I don't think anybody would have either of these guys in the top half. I mean, if you do, I really have an issue with what you're saying, and I fucking welcome you on my show to have this discussion with me because... These artists really were, were, you know, pretty much lacking in almost every category. Um, MC Hammer's highest score is for Impact, and he got just above average, 5.5. Everything else that he did was well below average. And really, when you look at it, the only reason that he got that 5.5 was pretty much solely based on one album. And even that album is almost solely based on one song. Then you got Dougie Fresh, who also gets the uh, a five and a half for impact, um, and everything else is not as far below average as MC Hammer was, but still below average for the most part with the rest of his scores, except for originality, which it was a little it was a little bit tough to 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 score Dougie Fresh's originality score because, like I said, you got the scenario with Buff Love where you're not you can't really pinpoint. Who was the actual first person to start the beatboxing? I can only really go by what was what was presented to me and the facts that I found on the internet and you know what what year what albums were released and stuff like that. So it was it was a little bit difficult to get a, a really really strong score for Dougie's uh, originality, but I think a six is fair. 
I wouldn't mind somebody arguing with me and saying it should be higher. You know, maybe a six and a half. I, you know, maybe could somebody could say they know a little bit more and it should be a little bit lower and it should be a five and a half. I won't really argue with any of those. But again, change Dougie Fresh's originality score from a six to a six and a half or even a seven, and he's not going to go above seventy-five of one hundred and fourteen artists done. So this goes back to stuff that we talked about in the intro. There probably are some things that you could tweak in these original scores, but it's not going to really affect where this guy finished to that much of a degree where anybody should have any issues with these numbers that I came to. These are, I believe, the two worst guys up until this point. I I believe Curtis Blow was in the back of the line up until this, and I, I think he was like 80. So here you have Dougie Fresh, who's 91st, and then... Uh, MC Hammer, who's 112th out of 114 people done. So there's only been two people out of 114 people that have finished lower than MC Hammer so far. So um, it was it was a rough score for Hammer for sure. Um, I'm, again, I'm not trying to shit on him or his music or his name or legacy or what he's done or anything. But technically speaking, MC Hammer is by the bottom of this list for sure. Speaking of lists, let's talk about the current list. This is the first episode in the month of March. So for the rest of the month of March, we'll be doing a top 33% of artists covered. Obviously, as these lists get bigger and we cover more artists, that 33% is going to lead to a higher number of people being listed here. But so far, we have what we have. And the current top 33% final list reads as, at the top you have Rev Run of Run DMC in 12th place of 114. After him you have LL Cool J right behind him in the 13th slot of 114 people done. Behind him you have DMC of Run DMC who is tied for 17th of 114. Then you have Cool Modi who's 26th of 114 artists done. Behind him, we have a three-way tie of Melly Mel, Scorpio, and Keith Cowboy, all from the Furious Five, who are tied for 38th of 114 artists done. So you got these guys, Rev Run, LL Cool J, DMC, Cool Modi, Melly Mel, Scorpio, and Keith Cowboy. They're hanging on to their spots here. Now, obviously, we see of the total number of artists done, none of these guys are in first place or even in the top 10 for that matter but of the artists done so far they're hanging on to their slots we're seeing people finish behind you know people in the furious five and stuff like that well behind them um so there's your top 33 percent final list up to now and let's get into our top 10 lyrically our top 10 percent lyrically which doesn't change you have Rev Run and LL Cool J both tied for that top spot at a 5.5 lyrically. And just a note, Rev Run was the first artist to receive an above average score lyrically. So while him and LL Cool J are very much on the same page as far as lyrics is concerned, Rev Run did come out before LL Cool J. And that's how I personally determined... Yes, while they're both tied for the top spot, whose name am I putting in there first? I'm putting in the artist that came out first. Again, if you'd like to see any of those full lists, you can give the Facebook website a visit at www.facebook.com slash Tale of the Tapes podcast. 
everything's spelt totally normal um i have my donation up on my anchor profile um i believe i'm going to be getting into doing some ads soon i had actually touched on it already before uh it wasn't working out i couldn't figure out how to do it i have to look into it a little bit more but i i think going forward we're probably going to have some ads on my uh on my podcast from now on but hey if you're feeling lovely if you're feeling rich if you're feeling generous please donate to your boy formsy hit the donate button it's a hell of a lot of work and it's fucking time consuming not only is it a lot of work it's super time consuming and i want to go out of my way saying this now this fact alone doesn't mean that i deserve money from any of this shit but i just want to point out and this might sound stupid to some people but i'm a deep thinker and i'm being dead serious when i say this i want to point out how i'm not going to go i'm not going to spoil anything for the future and say any names but right now i'm listening to an artist who is really bad Okay, and it's possible, which I actually deemed to be almost impossible prior to doing this guy, it's possible that he finishes last or in the bottom three. The The last two people that are there right now behind... Okay, so you got Hammer in 112 of 114. There's a big gap between Hammer being at 112 and the 113th and 14th people. There's a big gap. So much so to the point that I, I can't really see anybody finishing below either of those people. I could see somebody finishing below Hammer. I can't see anybody finishing below these other two people. But I've been surprised before. I'll probably be surprised again. My point in saying all this is that right now my daughters are at dance. Now, granted, I can't watch them because the door is shut. Um, and I'm not going to say that I would sit there. and I have a lot of shit to get done. I have a lot of work to get done. So... If I was there, that's probably what I would be doing right now. I would be getting some work done. But the fact of the matter is I could have took the 40-minute car drive with them there. Could have took the 40-minute car drive with them back. Um, you know, just time spent, just hanging out with them, just talking, encouraging them, whatever. I had to take time out of my day and miss that. Now, I'm going to be there on Wednesday and Friday, or at least Friday for their dance. So it's not that I'm, I'm like missing their lives or anything, but I had to take hours out of my day today. To do this and to listen to a certain person, and he's terrible, flat out. He or he's been terrible so far. That shit bothers me. That shit irks me. That I gotta put my time, my daughters on pause to go listen to somebody who fucking sucks. And I understand that that was my decision going into this when I decided to do this, but it kind of wasn't because I only had one kid when I started doing this. That's first and foremost. So I. I I wasn't running my own businesses and I only had one kid. So I wasn't as strapped for time when that happened as I am right now. And also this has taken a turn. This has evolved. This went from me just listing as we talked about in the intro, a random 25 people that I was going to just study and see who came in one through 25. Then I realized how pointless that was that if I'm going to do this, I should have some parameters and some guidelines and some rules and regulations and see who qualifies and who doesn't and who finishes where out of everybody, not just the 25 people that I deem to be important or that I like, because then that just goes just like everybody else's list and it's based on a bunch of opinions. And if I'm going to base lists on opinions, why even fucking listen to everything and try to score it objectively? Fuck it. The whole thing is based off of opinion of what 25 guys I picked to study. So it just all seemed pointless at that point. It's evolved into something much more serious now. So 
When I talk about stuff like that, that's why. Um, I'm committed to this for now. I, I can't say that this is going to go on forever. I can't, I can't commit to that. Mentally, I can't commit to that right now. That may or may not happen. Right now, I'm committed. I've been doing these once a week. And I, I do have to tell you that mentally it does it does really fucking bother me when I have to put my life on you know on hold with my kids to go listen to somebody who fucking sucks. So that is where you know the time consumption and the hard work and the sacrifices that are being made is why I do deem it you know valid that I do receive something off of this. Um, but I'm not asking for anything. This could go on where, you know, for years where I don't ever make a dollar off of this. And I guarantee you, you will never hear me complain about that. Because again, that's not my point of doing this. Not why I started doing this. It's not why I continue to do this. We want to see who the best is. We want to try to get the opinions out of this. We want to look at the facts. We want to look at what people did, what they've, you know, what they, what they continue to do. We want to look at the numbers. We want to look at the facts, the statistics. The lyrics, the originality, all this shit. And we want to get down to it and see who the fucking best is. So, again, that's why I'm doing it. But it would probably be a little bit easier mentally for me to, you know, cut some time out of my day with my kids to go listen to somebody who sucked knowing that I'm being compensated for it. So, um, hey, all that being said, I appreciate anybody tuning in. I appreciate anybody that does donate. Tale of the Tapes, great to have you with me. Uh... This was probably a little bit longer and in-depth of an episode than I thought it was going to be because, ironically enough, I feel like we have MC Hammer who did pretty damn bad and we had a decent song from him. And then we had uh, Dougie Fresh who didn't do well either, but I don't really have a lot to say about Dougie Fresh. I think Dougie Fresh not doing well was really a lot just due to the fact that, you know, spitting bars took a backseat for him. He really was there to just entertain and get the party started. Um... That being said, though, we did get a Dougie Fresh song that was kind of all over the place and there was a lot to talk about in it. So while these guys didn't score very high or finish very high, there still was a lot of points and and things that we covered in here that I do think were important today. Um, So that concludes week seven. Next week, week eight, we got the Beastie Boys and Salt and Pepper. So that's a pretty intriguing episode right there. The Beastie Boys are pretty damn iconic, man. Um... So, you know, that's the set of people that we got on next week. I will tell you off the bat that both the Beastie Boys and Salt and Pepper, neither of them were scored individually. We'll get more into that next week, but the Beastie Boys are scored as a group and Salt and Pepper also scored as a group. So, I will see you on next week. Tale of the Tapes, that's episode 7. Episode 8 coming up next week. Get you some. Tale of the Tapes. Might as well.